Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right, then I am Rachel Woody, and I'm here with Mac McCorkadale. Right. And we are here on June 5th at McCorkadale Residence to discuss Southern Oregon wine history. And to get started, Mac, will you tell us how you were involved in the wine industry? Right now, I'm a, just a grower. I've been a grower for since 1980. So, and uh, I used to be fairly active in the in local and the state uh, organizations, but uh, I haven't done much in the last 15 years or so. And uh, that's about how I've, I've been involved. I've uh, started out just planting a few grapes and Still got a few grapes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a big. It's not a big deal. It's more of a, something to keep me busy. But I've, I've been involved quite a while. What got you into grape growing? Well, I had a neighbor in uh, the Roseburg area, Dr. Ted Maffitt, that grew grapes, and he had a small little winery. A little. Uh, it's probably not even remembered anymore but he started out I think in about 82 with his winery but he had grapes when I moved there and he encouraged me to do do this and uh, he said oh you got to plant a few grapes and so I, I bought this property in 1979 and about 1980 I planted some grapes 79 or 80 I started planting grapes and that's and and then I I was I liked the I like it or I couldn't couldn't do it you know. Mm -hmm. What grape varieties do you grow? I grow right now. I grow just Tempranillo because mm -hmm. I, I settled down. I got a little wiser and I started just growing one one variety. At one time I had about twelve varieties, but I. Just a few of everything, and it mm. didn't work out very good. So uh, we started growing a Tempranillo in about mm, 12 years ago or so. I got some from Earl Jones and some starts, and uh, I've been growing that ever since. I've, I've, I've got a little Viognier left and, uh, just for home winemakers and uh, a little Baco Noir and uh, just a small amount. But, uh, but primarily, 99.9% Tempranillo. Who do you sell the grapes to? I sell most of my grapes to uh, a winery in the Eugene area. It's called Sweet Cheeks. Oh, okay. A winery, and uh, and I, I sell some to my neighbor here, uh, Pyrenees Winery, hmm. and that's. That's who I'm selling to right now. For the Southern Oregon region, there's a lot of different varieties that are being grown here now. Do you have 
Any opinions or speculation on what variety Southern Oregon should be known for, or if at all? Uh, that's that's what we're all looking for, and, and it's uh, it's kind of a hard thing to figure out because we got so much variation in the Umpqua Valley. It's uh, uh, each little niche and uh, you move toward the coast and you get a different climate and you move north and you get a different climate and you move mm -hmm. south and you get a different climate. And uh, and then there's uh, microclimates within each each climate. So it's really hard to, hard to uh, to figure out, but uh, I've been inclined to go with a little warmer climate variety because there's so much uh, land otherwise, otherwise that will grow a cooler uh, uh, variety. And uh, I'm, I think probably Tempranillo's got a future, and uh, of course, Even, uh, I think Chardonnay has gotten a future in this area, hmm. and uh, which is kind of out of favor, but I understand it's coming back. So, so I think Chardonnay is is a good one, and uh, 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 Simeon. Uh, not, not I, I tried to grow Simeon one time, and I think that would, but I, I think. Uh, Pinot Blanc and Pinot Gris are, are are pretty good, and then of course Pinot Noir is is there's a good market for it, and I'm not sure that this is the best place to grow Pinot Noir, but uh, I, I I'm sure that we grow a good. Uh, there's been some success for Pinot Noir in this area, uh, especially toward the coast. They've grown some. Very, very good Pinot Noir, and uh, almost anything uh, will will grow somewhere in Douglas County or Southern Oregon here. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing to consider too is 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 what the market for is for mm -hmm. how 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 good you can uh, it 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 sells on the. On the market, it don't don't matter how good of a grape you grow. If you can't sell it, well, you're in trouble. And uh, I think some of the, the small guys kind of go in a, 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 a kind of a niche thing where we grow what grows good on our property and what we can sell. That's the that's the key is what what we can produce and what we can sell. Mm -hmm. uh, did, did I answer your question there pretty good? Or, you did or, very well. Or I really don't know what to grow, but uh, in any one area. But uh, I th you've got trends in the in the wine industry where you get one thing is hot one time and 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 uh, so you got to kind of stick it out like the Chardonnay thing there everybody converted to grafted over the I mean not everybody but some people grafted over their Chardonnay a few years ago and now it's, it's everybody grafting to it or, or 
some people are going putting it to. And I think uh, one thing and one uh, uh, grape that I forgot is a white white grape that uh, is I think is a got a, a place here is Viognier. It's a it grows in the warmer sites. It grows very very well here. And uh, produces a pretty good crop. I understand a lot of places it's it's a light bear or light uh, cropper, so you don't get much uh, production. So, but here I've had good luck with Viognier, but I don't uh, I don't sell it anymore because I'm I want to stick with more uh, one one variety with my small vineyard. What other involvement have you had in the wine industry? Ooh, I've been, uh, I've served on the local board and I've served on the state board back in the 80s and in, in maybe the 90s. I forget uh, exactly when, but, uh, and uh, I, uh, I was involved in all the projects that we have, you know, to, to, to support the industry. And uh, I really hadn't been a ball of fire in the last 20 years or so because of, there's so many new people that come in with newer and better ideas probably in, in marketing and, uh, and uh, growing and so forth, so I kind of got into background a little bit now. I still belong to the local ch chapter here in Douglas County, uh, Umpqua Valley chapter, yeah. What kind of activities did you do or did they do? Uh, we had, uh, of course, the greatest of grape, we had, uh, we still got that, and uh, uh, gosh, I got a blank here. But we, we, of course, we had a lot of social uh, things going on. But our big fundraiser was Greatest Grape, and then uh, I was in the. Uh, just the uh, wine tours. I wasn't really involved in that too much, but uh, uh, we we've had wine tours back in uh, starting out in the, probably the '80s or so, and it uh, it continues on today. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a pretty good fundraiser. And uh, uh, but then we had a lot of. Uh, grape days, uh, uh, almost every, well every year. Back, uh, we have them. Seems like they're not every year now, but we we occasionally have a grape day here where where we, we tour other other vineyards and wineries and so forth, mm. and check things out, and get to get together a little bit. What does the funds go to for the greatest of the grapes? Uh, a, a lot of them were uh, 
of course, you got to. Uh, we had a executive secretary, or, or sec, you know, a, a hired secretary is one thing, and uh, and then we we support the uh, state state organization, which was probably some of the, uh, quite a bit of our funds went to that lobbying and and so forth and uh, uh, and of course we would uh, probably supplement some of the cost of of, uh, of uh, social uh, get-togethers you know where we we would get together and and uh, and there was other other uh, research. Uh, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't an ongoing program, but somebody would need some money for uh, study something, and so we then uh, asked for a few bucks, and that's why that's where that worked. What would you say is the general spirit or feeling among the grape growers and winemakers in this region? Uh, it, it's it's good. It, it's good. There's a there. There's always been a little. Uh, some people didn't like each other as much as as others, but uh, a, a little uh, maybe spats but uh generally it's really really good we help each other we'll uh there's no uh uh if somebody finds out somebody needs uh, uh, some of their buyers or or, or uh, contacts need grapes will they'll they'll call other other vineyards and they will so and so needs needs a, some uh some of your some uh, that's how I've got the, uh, uh, quite a few sales. You know, people other other vineyards calling me said so and so, uh, and uh, in the last ten years or so, there's been such a uh, growth in the industry that. It, it's hard to keep up with everybody that's in the industry. You know, you'll 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 you just you don't know of uh, everybody. Like back back in the seventies and eighties, well, you knew everybody on a first name basis, and uh, but now. Uh, you don't know every everybody, so it's, it's it's not as close as it used to be. But it's it's. I think there's no animosity in the group. Mm. It's mostly uh, most people get along. You spoke to this a little bit, but how have you seen the Southern Oregon wine industry evolve since you joined in the '80s? Well, 
It's definitely grown. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to, I think marketing has uh, come to the forefront. Uh, you've got, uh, we didn't, back in the 80s, uh, people were concerned about growing about frost and mildew and stuff like that, and now it's concerned about uh, moving your grapes. I think mm -hmm. so some of the, and uh, I think I think generally they've done a good job because we've got some huge wineries, uh, vineyards coming in uh, Douglas County now, and uh, they say, well, uh, it, we wish we had more. So. The grapes are moving, but I think it's is a result of a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis on marketing and uh, going out of out of state and uh, so forth. So it's grown, and I think there's probably uh, we'll grow some more. There's some some big bigger wineries coming in, and. Uh, the bigger wineries have got their own marketing system and or force, and they'll increase the. Just like Saint Michel in Washington has helped that area, and I, th I think some of these, as we get the bigger bigger wineries coming in, they'll they'll make this more of a, of a wine wine country, you know. And uh, uh, the wineries in the. 70s and 80s and uh, uh, 30,000 gallons was a big winery, you know, and so mm -hmm. it's it's not very big now. We've got like the King Estates, and of course that's in up in north of here, but uh, they've I think they've helped this area a lot. They've they've brought a lot of publicity here, and. Uh, so it's growing up, you know. We 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 changed the emphasis on on uh, on selling the wine. Where do you think it'll go? I think it'll. I don't think it'll go like Napa Valley or so forth. I think it'll it'll stay. It'll it'll grow as a. It'll continue to grow, but we just don't have the population in this state, and especially in this southern Oregon. We don't have the local politi uh, 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 population that uh, where we have the the big caravans of, of tasters. But I was up in, in in the in the Eugene area a couple of weeks ago, and there was uh, I stopped off at. Uh, uh, Sweet Cheeks and King Estates, and I couldn't even get in the door. But, oh wow! Because they were, it was kind of a kickoff to the to the season, and uh, people were just in the lit and just unbelievable. And, and you didn't see that 20 years ago, you know. So, uh, but uh, I think it'll continue to grow as we get. Uh, uh, more sales out of state 
uh, more uh, recognition and uh, we were already getting a lot more recognition than we had in the, in, in the 80s. Uh, people are selling wine in New York and New Orleans and uh, uh, the Midwest and uh, all over. But as, as they find out that that's a quality product, it, uh, it'll, it'll sell better. But I don't think it'll ever be the be like Napa Valley. You know, we we can't expect that, but we can expect growth. I think. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your contemporaries? What are some of the other? Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, um, well, the, the, uh, a lot of them are dead now. Philippe Giraudet is alive. We actually spoke with him on Monday. And uh, uh, we got uh, uh, Ken Thomason was at Elkton. Uh, Richard Summers was here. Paul Bielan. Uh, Ken Thompson had a son, uh, I mean, a, a, a partner. I can't think of his name. Uh, the, the Red Hill Bunch, uh, Fred Howell, and uh, Conrad Farron and uh, Scott Henry. I'd have to get get my thinking cap on. <laughs> and you can always let us know later too if you think of other people. Yeah, I've I've got it written down, but I uh, I'd have to. All right, well, let me ask you another question then. For Richard Summer and Paul Bieland, who are no longer with us, could you tell us a little bit about them? Well, Richard was an, no, to say the least, was an eccentric type person. He was a, uh, he was a smart person in, in, in some ways, and, but he was, he wasn't a, uh, uh, he wasn't a good businessman, let's put it that way. Mm. He, uh, uh, and, uh, he was a. He started out on a shoestring. He was in a. You know. Uh, he 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 did things as best as he could. You know. I uh, had a meeting with a, 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 a professor from Davis, Nomo, I think, a doctor. They, uh, he was at the time I talked to him, and that's been years ago. He was he was ninety, I think, mm -hmm. and he had come up to visit Richard and uh, is a new winery he, they were Richard went to school down there I think and he came up to see him and say so he said he said the first wine Richard made 
He said he was, he gave me a taste of it, and I said, it's the worst wine I ever tasted in my life. <laughs> but he said, you know, I'll come back later. He, he said the problem was he was making, making the wine out of a, a plywood box coated with tar to keep it from leaking. <laughs> oh, no. So, so he said it was terrible. But he said, I came up two or three years later, and his, his uh, reasoning was fantastic. He said it was very good. And uh, so, so Richard, Richard wasn't a, a real teacher. Uh, he 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 did his own thing, you know. He, it, it was hard to get any information out of Richard. You'd say, "All right, yeah, this is." Oh, hold on. And I'd, I'd say, "Okay, oh, plant that, plant that Cabernet." And, and uh, I, well, okay. And uh, but he wasn't uh, a teacher, but he was he was a he was a character. Let's say put it that way. He was a very, uh, a very intelligent person, but he would he he couldn't communicate his thoughts that well, you know what he was up to. And uh, one one of the uh, I learned a lot from uh, uh, Scott Henry. You know he was a he was a, he was an early person up here, and uh, Paul, Paul Bielan was a, he was a politician, kind of a, he was a uh, public relations guy and, a, and from California and everything, and, and he, uh, he had a problem with his vineyard, it was, uh, he, it wasn't a, it, it, Somebody else bought it after after that, and they 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 abandoned it. It was so it was so cold, and it uh, wasn't wasn't a very good vineyard. And, and but Paul was a good, pretty good promoter, and uh, uh, he he and Richard started the greatest of the grape here, and that's so they were starting to get a little publicity. You know, or, or rec you know, recognition for the for the wine industry, some local local recognition coming in. Do you happen to know much about pre-prohibition history in Oregon? That's one thing that we're trying to ask everyone about. No, you'd have to. I don't know whether. Uh, Mike Weatherall is is a, uh, Dorners were the. We did speak with him yesterday. Got a little bit of history there. Yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he's a. Associated or son-in-law of, of some of the. The old Dorners that had the had the winery back in the, eighteen hundreds, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't really know anything about it, but uh, I, I've just been in, the, I just moved to Douglas County in 1975. 
So I really don't know much about the real old okay. old history of the area. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. I see you have a folder for us. No, well, I just, I just had that uh, in case you wanted something, but I don't, uh, I don't have, uh, I didn't know exactly where you were going, you know, what, mm -hmm. what, what the, the interview was going to be about, but uh, uh, I just had something about the old greatest of the grape, which I'm sure is, oh, wonderful. is, is got somebody's, uh, I gave them the information that, I know Earl Jones had the information. Okay. But uh, I wrote up an article. I don't even have the year. It was uh, you'd have to f figure out what what year the greatest of the grape. But it's got some history about the greatest of the grape. You know? Okay. I don't know whether you'd be interested in that because it's kind of a kind of a local issue. I don't know whether it would be. We'd be very interested. And. Uh, Okay, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find it here. Uh, another person is, oh yeah, uh, Here's the uh, John John Marker, John which Marker. which owned John Cole Vineyards. Oh, okay, I've heard of that name. It's uh, it it's owned by uh, Fred Fred Howell was up at up at uh, Red Hill, but he, he didn't have a winery; he just had a a, a, a winery. I mean, a vineyard. Make sure I got. This was sometimes in the 80s, I don't know what. And this is the article you wrote? Yeah. You, you might, I, I would like to have that back if you will. That's the only copy I got, I think. Sure, we can actually, we have a scanner that we can scan it right now and okay. give it back to you. Wonderful. All right, well, is there anything else you want to share with us? Any stories I didn't ask you about? Um, 
No, I don't guess so. Uh, it's my my uh, operation has changed a lot. You know, you the buyers were buying uh, the first year. I think it was '82 that I had in there, and the guy came uh, came down here with a. Uh, pickup truck and a, we we didn't have any bins even we just put it on the on the tarp in the bottom of his pickup and dumped the boxes in there <laughs> and uh, that was uh, yeah that nowadays we've got uh, every, you know forklifts and bins and uh, somebody comes with a big truck and we pick it all and he hauls it off, you know. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anything right now. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.